the volume. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. Today I have got Kenny King in the hot seat. Um, you, of course, may know him from Impact Wrestling. You may know him from many moons ago, from his time at Tough Enough, from The Bachelorette, all of the many different hats that Kenny King has worn, and we get into all of the things. Um, we talk about him being a child star and growing up in Orlando and the different shows that he worked on and auditions and acting classes and Mickey Mouse Club, all of those things that were happening in Orlando at that time. Um, we talk about his time in Tough Enough. We talk about him getting into pro wrestling. We talk about his time in Chippendales, which I personally find fascinating. Uh, I love that that was something that he did and, and did it for a while in Europe, in Las Vegas. The man has done it all. And then, of course, his time on The Bachelorette and the spotlight that that put on him as America's Bachelor. I'm honestly still kind of pissed that he was not picked to be The Bachelor after that season kind of some BS because I think a lot of people are really rallying behind him. Um, anyways, he is an absolute gem of a human being, gem of a father. We talk all sorts of parenting stuff as well. But yeah, just a really great conversation with a guy that is funny. We connected and we would always be like, oh, my neighbor when I was living out in Las Vegas. And now I finally get him on the show and I no longer live there. Uh, but hopefully he'll be able to swing around uh, once AEW were out there for double or nothing end of May. So hopefully we'll be able to get Kenny King out to the show and get to hang out in real life. But without further ado, here he is. This is Kenny King. Kenny King here on the sessions. This is um, a long time coming. I feel like you and I have been DMing, having some conversations. It's time to get this ball rolling. And here we are. How are you doing today? I'm well, I'm well. When we first started this, there was no child. And now there I is know. <laughs> God, so. isn't that crazy? That is crazy. How, how's Ooh, mother? It's great. It is just great. Aren't kids, especially like, I feel like you and I can probably put our heads together on this one. Cause like having a little girl is just like, Ooh, chef's kiss. They're it, just it really cute. Is. It really is. Um, I remember because I, I mean, I've got a little brother. I've got nephews. So I was, you know, I raised a bunch of little boys. And then, uh, you know, this little girl comes and I can remember like the first time I'm changing the diaper and I'm looking at like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. This <laughs> looks complicated. <laughs> wait a minute. What am I supposed to do here? This is. Uh... <laughs> so, you know, my mom was like, oh, it's right to the back. I was like, front right, to I'm back, gonna... baby. Front to back. Once I got front to back down, I think every... it all is down from there. Talk to me about how quickly it goes, though, from learning the whole, wow, I got to wipe front to back. I've got this little girl, all these little things to now you have like this full fledged, like blossoming woman. That's just this like beautiful piece of work. You know, the crazy thing about it is and, and you'll 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 get this pretty soon is that uh, as soon as you get good at one phase of it, right? Like, OK, I got down, I got the nap yep. time, I got the diaper, I got this. As soon as you get one phase and you're there completely onto something else. And, the game like, has changed. Just, and that is also simultaneously like the best thing about it, because like mm -hmm. you could see how, you know, once you they get this routine and then they grow into something else and then they grow into something else. And it's all growth. Um, so, you know, we, we went from, you know, being daddy's little princess to us telling Sparks boyfriends and she's like, <laughs> job. I, I'm now catching up to this teenage, uh, this teenage phase, which is crazy. It's so crazy how, like you said, it's like you think you've got a grasp on something and then it's like, just kidding, on to the next thing. And I feel like, so Nora's going to be two in June. 
And I just feel like in the almost two years of being a mother, it's juggling like, okay, I'm working, I'm doing this. I've got these things on the back burner. I've got all these other things, motherhood. She's in this phase, all this. It's like, I just feel like it's been really hard to get into a proper rhythm. Did you find that at all of like trying to juggle all the different things while staying on the ball as a parent? And like, I never know what my schedule is or what's happening. Like, I feel like I'm pulled in a million different directions. I don't know. The thing is, like, it, it never it never gets any better because, you know, she's going to then, you know, I'm sure dance or taekwondo or whatever she wants, soccer, whatever she wants to do is uh, is going to come up soon. So that's really when it gets crazy, because then it's OK, then there's school and then there's extracurriculars and then we have to do homework. And then so it's uh, I remember thinking um, being so happy when she went from uh, from elementary school to middle school, because that's like a full day. And then thinking how did I get three more hours and I got nothing else done? Like, <laughs> there's no way that that yeah. went by us three extra hours that went by so fast. So it's a, uh, it's a crazy, crazy thing. It never, it, it never, is. it never lightens up. You, you, you get a grasp of it, right. You know, when you, when you have a schedule and, uh, and you have like order to it, but it, it's always going to be something. I feel like being a good dad and being like a good male role model for your daughter seems to be pretty top of agenda for you as a human being. What are the things you kind of think about having a daughter and your relationship with her and her understanding like her relationship with men? Well, early on, um, I looked at uh, some of the women that I knew in my life with daddy issues. We all know a few. Oh, right, right. And it was either the daddy issues of not being, you know, hugged enough or being hugged too much. And it was just one of those things like, well, what kind of uh, person do I want to raise and what kind of relationship do I want to have with her? You have to go through certain phases to get to like where I'm at now. Right. But, um, you know, I always wanted it to be a situation where one day she called me and said, Dad, this guy said, you know, X, Y, Z. And I laughed at him and so, you know, my dad said you were going to say that. And and then I was just going to be like, I'm done, baby. I did it. Like, don't call me no more. Did no, it. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's it was just that and just wanted to have open communication, right? Open communication. The boyfriend thing was it, it took <laughs> to get the final like, OK, dad, this is what it is. You know what I mean? It, it I, I always give her props because. It takes her a while. She, she, she goes around the block a bit, but she always kind of like, you know, lays it on me. Um, and, I, and, I, and I attribute that to just always wanted to have just open lines of communication, whatever it is. Right. Like I'll go nuclear on the inside, but I'll you know show her that this is a safe place for her to come and, and talk to me. And so that relationship is something that I, I hope carries on forever. There's just something so cool about that father-daughter relationship and, you know, watching John become a father and seeing some of his edges soften with our daughter and seeing the way that he talks about her and lights up at like pictures of her when, you know, all the cute little things that these kids do. But yeah, it's pretty funny. I think when you're a dude that has this sort of like hard wrestler persona, it's like, no, no, we got to like soften up a little bit and like teach these kids how to how to be human beings it's it's a pretty fun little ride it is it's probably definitely easier for for little girls and little boys uh to to melt dad so yeah (laughs) uh, i think we we both got me and john both got exactly what we needed yep 100 percent um okay so dadhood is going well let's talk personal life stuff because again i feel like i observe 
your life from the outside. Um, obviously, for me, a bulk of it starting with watching you on The Bachelorette. And I was like, wow, Kenny King, what a catch. What a catch. Also, I'm not going to lie. I was really kind of pissed that you weren't the next Bachelor. Was there conversations about that? You know, it was crazy because uh, it started and then it got to a point where I was a little nervous okay. because, you know, there were the there were the tweets or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, people would, you know, Kenny for Bachelor. But then there was like articles written about it and stuff. And I was like, well, wait, because, you know, some I, steam. Yeah. And, and, it, and it made me a little nervous. But I did. Obviously, it was never going to happen. But it, it was one of those things where like that's a uh, that could have been crazy. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a th- that's a huge commitment. It's a huge uh, opportunity. But just to see that there were that many people that were invested and that many people that kind of wanted to see that happen. It was it was very uh, it was very humbling. And I dug it. I was like, man, well, thanks. You know, my little grassroots campaign. But <laughs> it's, <laughs> no just, it's funny, too, because like I feel like you walked out of that show as like, oh, Good guy, Kenny. There's a good guy on the show that seemed like you had good intentions and you have good fundamentals, like all of these things. Is there something to being the good guy that gets in the way? Do they need someone that's going to kind of stir the pot a little bit and like? <laughs> uh, well, I think that's I mean, the the thing about it is that it is a brilliantly done social experiment. Right. Sure. And by this point, they've got it down to a science thing. And, and it's all comes through through casting. You know yeah. exactly whose personalities may not mix with this, who's will mix with this, who will make good TV, who's going to be a lunatic, like who's going to be who. So, um, you know, it was it was uh, it was a great experience. But at the end of the day, like Rachel and I was our, our relationship was just like she's just a great person. Like she's she's cool. We always were like real, real cool. So it's just hard to date somebody like that. It's hard to, you know, when the conventional dating is, if I see you, we're texting, we're talking, uh, and then to not see someone or when you're trying to get to know them, you know, once a week or twice a week, and then have to hang out with, you know, 28 other dudes that are trying to date her at the same what time. What the hell? <laughs> like what a trip to like it's go stay trip. in the same room with those people. You're like, wait, you're trying to date the person I'm trying to date. Like, how is that not so cutthroat? It is. Oh no. It's very cutthroat. I think the girls are a little more cutthroat than the guys, but sure, girls can uh, get a little nasty. We know that. Then it becomes like, you know, a competition. You've got all these alpha dudes in the house. And then, you know, but I feel like my season, um, even now, like I feel like we had such a core group of, of, of cool guys. We yeah. clicked. We still, we still have group chat. Um, and, and it was just such a core group of, of dudes that uh, I remember the, the producers would be like, man, do you guys want to go on dates you still want to hang out with each other you're like both right both you go into the experience thinking that you're just going to hate all these dudes and be look you know side-eyeing everybody yeah. and then when everybody's cool it's like oh, oh i gotta go oh, okay i'll be right back i'll be right back <laughs> i'm going on this date i'll be right back <laughs> let me go knock this out real quick and we'll come back yeah, and we'll get, yeah, get yeah. down to uh the shenanigans that we were up to how did being on the show affect your dating life afterwards uh you know my dms were very healthy <laughs> Very healthy. <laughs> We're very healthy afterward. Um, you know, it's it, it, it was cool, and even even now, you know, people will identify with with certain parts of of what they saw with me. And you know, I, I was just a guy trying to find someone to you know to to, to hang out with me and my and my little girl. You know, yeah. and that was kind of the kind of the deal. Um, it was it led to because in Vegas is Vegas is a crazy 
not. Sure. How is dating in Vegas? Like I can't imagine. Is it worse? Do you think it's worse than trying to date in LA? I think it's on equal, on equal footing. Uh, I think dating everywhere is pretty bad. I think at this point, but um, I think LA and Vegas are, because it's the same type of people. It's the same type of uh, facades and fronts and, you know, people are just, uh, superficial. What, what kind of car do you drive? Who, you know, what do you do? That kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you in the in- Are you in the industry? What, like, what so, can you do for me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. So, um, what I was doing after, like, I was just kind of, kind of dating long distance. I was accepting like, yo, kids, she's from here. She's from here. Um, but I realized that I hate long distance. So, so uh, that didn't work yeah. out. So wait, why did you think, why long distance until you realized that that didn't work? Was it like on purpose to have a little buffer? Uh, at first, right? Yes. A little buffer, a little space is always good. Right. But it was just because I was just kind of over, uh, you know, bottle, bottle girls and, and, and even like regular job nurses and people sure. in Vegas little kind of sideways too. So I just kind of was like, all right, well, let me give somebody from, you know, from Georgia chances. And, and it was, sure, let's go to Nebraska. What's up in Nebraska? Uh, nothing. nothing. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, yeah, it's just such a funny little like fishbowl kind of scenario of like, oh, you're on this dating show. Great. You seem like a good guy. And then everyone's just kind of swarming you. But yeah, looking at like the Vegas scene, I can't even imagine what that's like in real life. Why do you live in Vegas? How did that happen? Uh, well, it's a long story. Uh, the longest of all stories short okay, is well, we got some time. <laughs> so initially, uh, my parents moved to Vegas when I went to college in Florida. So I went to University of South Florida, Florida State in South Florida, but in Florida and Tampa is where I uh, ended up settling. And um, if uh, we were going through like a transitioning period, we went from like one double A to D one to like different different conferences. So it was a kind of a crazy period of time, uh, and I really wasn't happy being there. So my dad was like, "Why don't you come out to UNLV?" Um, to what were you? Sorry, what was your sport? Football. Okay. Um, why don't you come out to UNLV? And I was like, "Well, UNLV is terrible. Like, I'm not gonna go out there and play. Like, I, I'm good where I'm at." Um, as dads do, and it was crazy because I would do this, but as dads do, like he went and took my highlight tape and put it on the defensive coordinator's desk and was like, Love it. There's Love my it. son. You guys aren't very good. You could probably use him. And uh, I got a phone call, ended up so <laughs> to accelerate the story a little bit. I uh, ended up transferring, but I couldn't play at UNLV that year. Someone in South Florida held my transcripts, they got lost or something like that. So, in that uh, so I moved to Vegas in August of 2001, but I couldn't report on the team. So I actually had to forfeit a year of eligibility. So oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. So in that, uh, I'm, I'm actually like a civilian regular person. That's how I ended up seeing, I'm walking on campus and I open up the, the it's called the Rebel Yell, and I see this big, are you tough enough ad? So yes, I'm like, you're I, like remember, I am. I can remember watching the first season and being like, oh man, I can do that. I could do that. And then it was just like, well, kid, put your money where your mouth is. So uh that's how I ended up trying out for tough enough because I was, you know, couldn't play just football. It's a little downtime. Wow. Couldn't play football. And then uh coming back, so we filmed the show December to like December to Maybe maybe February is when we film the show. Show starts up in like April, so April starts, uh, and I'm supposed to come back and play spring ball. But um, I think I won tough enough, so I was like, yeah, about that. Uh, I'm not coming back to play football anymore. So 
the uh, the football coaches were not very happy with me. So that's how I ended up moving here the first time. Moved that's back to Florida so in 05. Met my daughter's mom, had a baby, and moved back here in 09. So that's wow. kind of But uh, so really, um, I moved back here to be closer to my my kid. What was the conversation that you had with your coach as you're this like hot prospect and you're like, I'm going to go be a, a pro wrestler now? How did that go down? It didn't go well. All right, TV star, like it's time to come back and play football, right? Blah, 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 blah. blah. And I was like, yeah, because what happened was like we filmed the show and then the show ran and then we went back and trained and then there was actually the, like the live show. So I thought I won. <laughs> there was no there was no real reason. I'm like, man, what if I go? And I get hurt in spring and then I got to sign this deal. Uh, and he just couldn't believe me. Like, you mean to tell me like we brought you all the way out here and, and you, you don't want to do this? I'm like, well, and not that I don't want to do this, but I did this and this is going to get me a lot further than this is right now. And uh, yeah. so it, it wasn't, uh, I was persona non grata uh, on the athletics <laughs> department for a long time. I could literally couldn't even go in there and work out like I had. To, no. I oh my gosh. Okay, so you start to get the wrestling bug, obviously, but did you have really any previous experience other than opening up and seeing this flyer and being like tough enough? Were you like a wrestling fan or? Yeah, no, I was a big wrestling fan. Like okay. I, I, I've been a wrestling fan pretty much my whole life at that point, but it was just not, it was not like today where there's wrestling schools, you know, everywhere. The it was sure. like, you know, how do you become an astronaut? Like there's no real yeah. way to figure out how to be a wrestler. So that was kind of, the only way in. Uh, and really at that point, I didn't really want to be a wrestler as much as I just wanted to be on MTV. Okay. So that happened. And then I kind of got bit. And then I was like, well, I got to figure out how to keep doing this. And after the first Tough Enough, I, I had noticed, and you know, this is kind of when the internet was just starting. And, and then you start to hear about how like these other contestants from the first Tough Enough would go to like indie shows and just completely shit the bed. Like, we're just terrible. And get <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was literally the last thing that I wanted to do. So there was a school here in Vegas that ended up contacting me. And they were like, hey, uh, you know, if you come here and say, we can say Kenny from Tough Enough Trains here, then, you know, you can come and train for free. So I was like, man, that's. Deal. that's so I ended up training for a year after Tough Enough before I took any any bookings. It's funny because I feel like so much stuff like in wrestling is obviously based upon someone's respect for the business and for you to be able to go in that way. And like, let me like, I don't want to go out and be one of those guys that just like throws your name on a banner, go out, have a bad match because people don't forget that shit. Right. No, they don't. They don't. They really don't. Especially if you have, you know, a name or you yeah. came from a, from a thing. You're anticipating the fall. You're anticipating the person biting it. And then if you give them a reason to go, yeah, I knew this guy was the shit. And it's like, no, no, no. Let me put in that work. Get this uh -huh. ball rolling. That and I was so shit funny. at first, right? Like I was, so I, I was the shit. So I would have absolutely gotten booked in, in, in some place that I had no business being against somebody that I probably had no business being in there with and, and getting exposed. So it, it, it made sense to me at the time. We've seen so many different, you know, an athlete from a different sport transitioning their way into professional wrestling. How different is it when you are a football player? You're used to working out. You're used to, you know, doing all the different things that a football player does to stepping into a ring. There's nothing like pro wrestling. Uh, yeah. You can train uh, like a football player all you want, but there's nothing like the continuous active recovery that you have to be in as a wrestler. Like you have to be mindful of so many things at the same time 
And it's not like, I mean, football, you have to be mindful of a lot of things, but then there's also like a sort uh, of reckless aggression, reckless abandon that you can kind of lean into uh, when you don't know what's going on. You could just knock somebody over, right? You don't have to um, worry about storytelling. No, right, right. You never, you never once have to engage the crowd uh, while also still trying to make things happen and keep, yeah. you know, not kill somebody at the same time. So there's so much to it. Uh, when I first got into it. And that's kind of what, what bit me. I was just like, wow, I had no idea that just what this was. And and it took so much to to do it well. I remember training like to try to get in shape for for matches. Like I would train for football and you can't do it the same. You you have to train completely different. Your active recovery has to be always up because you're always in a state of getting down, getting sure. up. You've you know, always just talking. gotten a car crash. You've always been in a car crash. Right. That was sort of my understanding as well when I, you know, I was like broadcasting in, in Toronto and working on these different shows and whatnot. But then once I got like really in the belly of the beast of working and wrestling and understanding that like, oh, your brain has to be firing on all different cylinders, even as a broadcaster here, because like we're still telling stories in a different capacity. I'm going to talk about a heel differently than I'm talking about a baby face. I'm going to stand differently when I'm next to one or the other, it's all these different things that you have to be thinking about no matter what the capacity is. And there's something really fun about like truly trying to wrap your head around the psychology, why someone's doing something, what the story is that's being told. And I, I think that's really where we all get kind of bit by that bug. I agree. There's just uh, there's just so much to it. And uh, and if you are, have any twins of perfectionists in you, one, you never liked the last thing that you did and you always want to do it better the next time. And sure. So there's just never any, uh, you know, I tell my students, if ever you feel We're like- We're never happy. Yeah, <laughs> I tell my students, if ever at this stage you feel like you had a good match, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> don't, don't. Because I bet you if we watch it back, I can remember one, one time, I, there's guys that I blew, that I, I, I broke in with here. We did this three-way in California. And I can remember we, we we did it, put it together, and we're on the way back talking about, oh, my God, we should get signed from that match. It was so good. And I mean, back and we're just, just oh, putting ourselves over. They ended up getting signed to FCW. This is years and years and years later. And we found the tape oh, shit. of that match <laughs> and watched that bullshit back <laughs> and <laughs> laughed. We're like, we were really talking about how we could be on the main roster right, right now. That was my mania match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it should be like that, though, right? You should always find, like, think that you're doing well, but find the next level. Exactly. You got to build upon each thing. Is it productive to go back and, and kind of, you know, look at everything under a microscope at uh, this point I, in your I, career. I don't, I don't know if it's productive. I will do it sometimes um, just to kind of keep myself honest about the things that, you know, things that I know that, I mean, there's, there are things that I yell at my, my students about that I watch myself doing TV and be like, whoops. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. You know, so that is kind of a way just to keep, keep yourself honest, keep yourself just, all right, I need to do, but, but it also it, it's not, terribly productive either because it's then then i'm picking everything apart and then and it can then be a slippery slope right where now you're right. like now my confidence is in the shitter because right, damn right, i really right. yeah it can be bad why am i even here that was bad that was bad that was bad so yeah yeah i i have to be careful about how i approach that okay so you mentioned before about getting into tough enough and how it was really kind of a platform you're like i want to get on mtv that's a thing that i want to be a part of but you also, you were like a child actor, right? I was. I was Talk on to me about all, that. All of your favorite Nickelodeon shows I probably was on. Stance on Welcome Freshman. 
I was on a bunch of commercials for Snake. Remember the big orange couch? And yeah. I lived in Orlando, so I, like, I was a Nickelodeon kid. Um, I was on My Brother and Me. I did the pilot for Legends of the Hidden Temple. I was I did motion capture for the Guts Super Nintendo video game. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so to be like that Orlando kid during that time, because, yeah, it's it's really kind of funny what that kind of bubble was of all the things that were happening in Orlando of all places. What was that kind of vibe like when you think of like, I mean, Mandy Moore is the first person that pops to mind because I feel like she's talked about that a lot of being like also an Orlando kid growing up there, getting into the music industry that way. But what was that like sort of that world? I think everyone thinks of like L.A. and Hollywood, but that really was the hub in Orlando, especially as a kid to kind of get your foot in the door. Yeah, kid for for child acting for music. I mean, and it's crazy because it was like you. We all ran in the same same. I joined Fatone and I went to the same high school. Oh, Wayne Brady shit. and I went to the same high school. Um, so it's a uh, it's it's a crazy. I didn't know group. Wayne Brady was one of those Orlando guys too. Okay. Yeah, Wayne Brady and I had the same acting coach. Uh, shout out to Karen Regario, Mr. Regario. Uh, so did Wesley Snipes actually. Oh. Mr. Snipes also. So there's okay. there's a pattern here with Mr. Regario. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, Orlando was because of the the Disney thing, and then the world, and then Nick, and then Universal Studios opened. But Nickelodeon Studios was the first because um, there were like shows and stuff being shot at like Sequest, and like I think Superboy was shot at Universal. But there was nothing really like continuous production until Nickelodeon Studios came in. When Once Nickelodeon Studios came in, then it was like everything from Nickelodeon was being shot there all the time. And then it was like, I think I did like some extra work or something. And then I was like, well, that's my dad was like, we did some acting classes. And then it was a little bit toward, I think my, my ninth grade year, my parents were like, all right, you have to slow down because you're not going to school. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then some, some you of must these, have been making like kind of good money as a child, though, no? Uh, I mean, my parents were making good money as a kid, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm which, sure we were. I'm but that sure must we have fine. been enticing for them to be like, damn, OK, we got this. I don't know where you, what your parents do for a living. But if you've got your kid also bringing in this other income, you're like, oh, OK. Yeah. I mean, they were doing well, but it was also it was it was a cool little time. And then, you know, right like right after I kind of got out of it is like when the whole boy band thing like really like blew up. So. Orlando's uh, Orlando's like low key been a really big hub for like a like a lot of your favorite entertainers in general have come out of Orlando. Does it feel that way growing up there as someone that kind of has those stars in their eyes? Does it feel kind of like that cutthroat? You're in Orlando. You have all the resources there to kind of make your dreams come true. Like I remember that kind of growing up in Toronto and I grew up outside of Toronto, but knowing like, oh my God, this actor's from here and this acting coach and I can go to Second City and I can go to all these places that are these like things that you can really put a stamp on your resume with. Were you like very aware of all of the resources you had there to kind of make something of yourself? Yes and no, because it's not, it's not really like a real place, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's Vegas live, for kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you live there and then there's Disney. Like my, my high school is literally right across the street from Universal Studios. And working there, it was like every other day we're like, well, pick up my homeboy. And like, well, do we want to go to school? Like, no, let's just go to Universal. And so it's a crazy thing to be in your, you know, in, in, in your science class and hear people screaming from from the dueling dragons. And <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. not it's not it's not a real place. You just kind of know that, you know, that's. There's a lot of stuff happening. And if you want to get involved in that, that literally all you have to do is go across the street. It was a perfect place and, and for that, for that opportunity. And, and, and still is my, uh, I, it was a girl. So I just saw cocaine bear. Oh, I've and, not seen it yet. 
like there's like a main little girl in it. And I'm looking at her like, God, she, she looks like her face. Like, I'm, why do I know this face? Why do I know this face? Uh, she's the daughter of a girl that I used to date that is an acting coach in Orlando. It's like, ah. what? I'm looking at, as soon as I saw like, uh, the credits. you know, the credits and I saw her, I was like, oh my God, that's Courtney's daughter. So it's, it's crazy how, how it's even still like that. Does it feel very um, like small world there in that sense of like everyone is really kind of connected? Because, yeah, I mean, shit, you rattle off some of the things during that time of when you would have been working. And it's like the Britney Spears, the Christina Aguilera's, the the Mandy Moore's, the Justin Timberlake's like they were all up in there. Like, did it? Yeah. Did it feel like it was a pretty small little world of everyone being pretty connected? You got to see everybody like I, I mean, I, I, I did stuff at Disney. Um Child stars are fascinating. With when there were, you know, with Justin, not, not with, but like and got to see Justin and Britney. Like I was a little older too. So like the Mickey Mouse Club stuff, I was kind of, I'd kind of aged out of by the time, uh, by the time they were on it. But yeah, you see, you see everybody because everybody's kind of at the same auditions or like backstage or, um, so it was, it was cool to then be like, oh, so oh, interesting. Yeah. oh, oh. Do you see your daughter having any bit of that bug? Yeah, she, she definitely, I mean, she's, she's crazy because she wants to do it, but then she's like, well, I'm like, all right, well, let's get into some acting classes. And she's like, but dad, I don't like to talk like in public. I'm like, well, you know, that's kind of like 90% of it. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so she, well, well, she you can kind of hide behind the mask of a character to a degree to maybe to get out of that shell a little bit. But you still have to physically do the act of talking in front of people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, she had auditioned for some, for some things like she's a dance, like she's been in dance for a while. So she's, you know, she's very comfortable on stage as far as like dancing. And but it's the thing of, you know, the, once you're speaking, there's a spotlight on you that she hasn't kind of uh, gotten out of yet. But she's also smart enough to be like, well, I need a degree first before I, to, I can do all that stuff at the same time. So I'm yeah. like, yeah, you're right. You absolutely smart can do all kid. that stuff at the same time. So smart kid. <laughs> Um, okay, so you go and you put in your year's worth of training um, after doing Tough Enough. Where do you go from there to start getting some buzz around yourself to uh, to start getting signed? SoCal. Rick Bassman, UPW. Shout out to Rick Bassman. Um, had names like Samoa Joe, The Prototype, Christopher Daniels, yeah. um, Tom Howard. Spanky, I think, was there. Paul London was definitely there. Frankie Gazarian was definitely there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's the big indie that, you know, you're, you're trying to get into. And then there's like smaller ones. So it's like one of those things like, all right, now I feel confident uh, in, in, in at least putting together some matches and doing this stuff. And then I have to kind of now book myself as Tough Enough Kenny because it's been a year and, you know, you still don't want to kind of people forget. So I kind of did tough enough, you know, tough enough's Kenny for a while until people started to kind of understand who Kenny King was. Was that a good thing to have attached to your name in terms of getting yourself out there? Or was it something that you kind of wanted to shake to hurry up and get to the next point in your career? It was a necessary evil because like I said, it had already been a year um, since, since tough enough. Uh, And I think at that point there was like tough enough three was already even airing. I think when I, uh, started taking any book. And so I, I took a different route from, oh, you know, this is the guy on Tough Enough, you know, let's get a bunch of different bookings. I, I felt like I had to kind of be like, okay, this is the guy from Tough Enough. And then it was detrimental in the sense that people, guys in the locker room would like indie lifers who are looking at me sideways because all oh, you are on TV, you think. Yeah. But once I got in there and I, and I, you know, I worked hard, I proved that I could, you know, do it at the level, whatever level that was at. And then 
Um, and people were impressed. Well, oh, you know, he, he apparently takes it seriously. You know, this is what he wants to do. And that's kind of how I kept getting booked. So by doing it like that and keep getting booked by just kind of showing up and, you know, knowing my shit is how yeah. I was able to shake the, the tough enough Kenny label. What else were you doing during that time? Because you've got to be juggling many different things while you're training, you're taking some indie bookings. Did you have other jobs at the time or were there other avenues that you were like considering? Absolutely. I was selling timeshare to support my wrestling habit at the time. Oh, I was slinging timeshare on the Vegas. People trip. still do that? Is that still a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was talking to a guy yesterday who said oh. my health brother. <laughs> really? I didn't I didn't think it still was because like the model has changed and yeah. I don't know anybody uh in the business anymore, but it was lucrative. It was it was for as a 21-year-old kid living in Vegas making $40 to drive four hours to California. Yeah. I was making a good amount of money. I think like I was making like over a hundred thousand dollars a year slinging timeshare party in my ass off and wrestling. So really just doing that. So you were living the life. I was doing all right. You were doing good. Doing all right. Yeah. I was doing all um, right. So wrestling. But it, and but so it that's wasn't... how I knew I wanted to do wrestling because I could have just stuck with timeshare and, and, and all that, sure. but I was still paying my dues, you know, making the, doing the drives and, and making no money wrestling. But then Kenny had to make it clap. Talk to me about Chippendales. <laughs> okay. So things are obviously going well for you. You're making good money. You're wrestling. But we got to get a little extra scratch on the side here. How does Chippendales make its way into your life? All right. So let's <laughs> l- let me just clarify that I've never once ever in my life ever made a clap. Let's just put that out there because that's a soundbite that will travel forever. Now that we got that all out the way. So it was, it was funny this, how everything was. So watch how everything ties in together, right? Okay. So it was a guy that I know from Orlando that was living with me. It was but me and a, co- a buddy of mine that we, we were renting a house. He was the singer for the, the European Chippendales tour. And he wrote three, I think he's got like three songs written on uh, the No Strings Attached, the NSYNC album. Excuse us. Okay. Right. So, so he's an Orlando guy also, right? He had just happened mm-hmm. to move out to Vegas. So he was like, Hey man, do you want to, uh, well, like, what do you, would you think about like want to travel, like going to the chip and nails? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm cool. Thanks. He's like, nah, man, but like, you might want to do this. This is a pretty cool gig. I was like, yeah, no, I'm cool. And I think it was his birthday. He was like, yo, it's, bir- our bir- it's my birthday. Uh, we're going to go to the chip. We're going to go chip and nails. And, uh, you know, so you can see what the show I was like, bro, I don't want to do this. Why do you think, what makes you think I want to go and watch? A bunch of dudes in banana hammocks oil each other out. Like, I'm chill. I'm cool. It's my birthday, bro. Like, you don't have a choice. All right, fine. Right, whatever. I go on to protest. And then I go to the show, and then I see six, seven, hundred women in the in the audience. And then I see what it is, which is not really. It's, so it's it's different. It's not like a, uh, like you're, like a strip club or like Magic Mike. It's actually like a choreographed show where there's yeah. like set changes and wardrobe and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm looking at choreography. I'm like, all right, that's like wrestling spots. That's all right. And then I'm looking at these 700 women go crazy in the crowd. I'm like, I'm tripping. The out. Yeah. I'm tripping. But, but there's no, but even then there's no tips. Like you get paid per show. Oh, so, okay. And then, okay. so like the, so like afterward, like there's pictures, like there's pictures where the women can come up and take pictures. And that's like kind of like how the only tipping situation but it's not okay. even that but 
I was like, well, you know what? I ain't doing nothing. So I'm right. I take a couple, you know, I take a month off. And so I went to Europe for two months. My very first, we did Ber- we did the Berlin Arena and my very first show at Chippendales. We drew like 8,000 women. And I had oh my drawn, goodness. At that point, I hadn't drawn more than like been in a, at a wrestling show that had more like more than 500 people. So I'm yeah. like, what is going on? So uh, there are these big stadium shows and, and, and it was, so that's how that happened. That, that happened. Oh. Gosh. Right before I met my daughter's mom, uh, I did some tours of Chippendales and then I moved I moved to Florida and then I quit Chippendales. And then. <laughs> wow. What a great little chapter in your life. But then I moved back to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> and then. And then. Uh, so the show, there's only like so there's a European tour and then there's the Vegas show. And the Vegas show is like there's 10 guys and it's like you have to either die or get fired to, okay. to get out of the show. Uh, and then I ended up running to one of the guys and he's like, hey, man, you know, like, are you back? You need to be back in the Vegas show, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, nah, that ship has sailed. I'm cool. An hour later, I get a phone call from the producer like, what's up, man? <laughs> oh, I got back in the Vegas show. I did the Vegas show from 2010 to 2015. Was on three number one selling calendars in the world. I feel like you're just like destined. You're like that guy. You've done Chippendales. You're out as a professional wrestler. You're a child actor. Like the spotlight is just meant to be on you. Uh, I tried the, the the office nine to five timeshare thing and <laughs> I, I break out in hives. So <laughs> it's not my thing. How different is a Chippendales locker room than a wrestling locker room? Do you know who asked me that question once? Huh, huh. Kurt Angle asked me that question. <laughs> right? uh, and and, and it's remarkably similar. Uh, it's the same type of guys, the same insecurities, the same backstabbing bullshit, literally interchangeable. It's, it's hilarious in that respect. It really is the same in terms of like, all right, we've got the little oil station before we walk out the curtain. Everyone spray your hair down. You've got your gear. There's, you know, you got your tanner. Make sure everything's where it needs to be. Here's some weights. Here's some bands. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of that. Okay, so here's a fun question. If you were to put together your lineup of Chippendales dancers, performers with professional wrestlers, who (laughs) would your crew be? How many do I get? You said 10 for Vegas. That seems like a lot to put you on the spot to answer. But do we want seven? Let's go Finn Baylor for the abs. Sure, sure. Let's go Bobby Lashley just for the for the, for the sheer size. Let's go Ziggler for the hair. Oh, Ziggler, you know, is good for it. He's yeah, good yeah, for Z- it for sure. Ziggler for the hair. He's got the um, booty shakedown too. Yes, yes, does. yes. <laughs> um, willing back for the for the okay. hips. Nobody, nobody <laughs> yeah. got the hips like Willie. And the funny thing is, he said, "Well, like I, we were going back and forth one day because that's my boy. We go back and forth." And I said, "You know what, Willie? You keep talking shit to me, and I'm gonna open up the Chunkendales, and I'm gonna feature you <laughs> as the main guy. So Willie can be our Chunkendale. Shout out to Willie Mack. <laughs> I love it. I think we got to put Roman in there just for just." He's just a fucking big He's got sec- that essence. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's six. We got we got one more. Let's see. Yeah, let's get one more in there. You obviously would be the lead. I'm the guy. Yeah. You're the I'm, guy. I'm the feature. You got to orchestrate the whole show, but we got to have the background performers. Hey, hmm. Bobby Lashley doing Chippendales is very funny to me. Oh, it's to me. That's, that's <laughs> the best thing. Right? I think... 
the best thing would be we would have to have like a backstage camera for Bobby learning the choreography. Like that <laughs> yeah. be, How hard to, was it to learn to like dance though? Like was, did that come naturally to you? Hell no. Like I don't uh, know. Eight counts. One, no. two. First it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then they change it one and two. And like, wait, what, wait, what? So no, it was, uh, it took a while for me to learn. Cause we had like, I mean, we had a like shoot a guy named Glenn Packard. He's a, He's a really like a shoot Hollywood choreographer. Yeah. So, and he was, you know, very patient with me. So I appreciate it. That's pretty cool, though, to like be in Vegas and have a, a job like that where you're like, I get to go do my thing, but then I'm actually just going home from here. Like, I feel like I always thought that like when I lived out in Vegas, anytime I'm in like a yoga class, I'm like Cirque performer, dancer, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You're kind of like mm-hmm. trying to like pinpoint what everybody's doing. But to go have a show like that and then just like mm, drive back home, get on a get on the highway, shut her down. It's a pretty great little office job. It was all right. Shows when I was doing it, shows were at eight uh, and they were 90 minute shows. And great. usually depending on if I was getting into any nonsense or not, I was home by 1030. We weren't doing both at the same time. You could. Oh, yeah, yeah. I you was were. doing uh, I was I was flying. At one point I was doing uh, Chippendales Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, flying out Wednesday, doing live impact Thursday, Friday, Holy Saturday, shit. flying back in. I was doing seven days a week. How did you let your body recover? You must have been exhausted. I was beat to shit. I was, I was a little younger, so it was fine, but I was beat sure. to shit. Most. Okay, so you're able to, you know, wrap up the Chippendales party, just stay focused on impact and on wrestling. Um, was it nice to kind of just clear your schedule and just focus on the one thing? Yeah, it was. It was mostly because also like, you know, I'm, when I'm home, I want to be with my daughter. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it was also a thing. I mean, thank God during that time, like, you know, I have family out here where, you know, I can pick her up from school. We do homework. I drop her off with my mom and my sister before I go, to, you know, go to work and then yeah. pick her up. And there were even times like where they would every now and then have us like travel to do different things. So uh, it was it was a lot uh, that I didn't have to do all of a sudden when I was just focused. I think I by that point, I think I had went back to Ring of Honor. So it was good to just have those dates and just then at that point i was really just focused on being being a dad is there more stuff at ring of honor that you would be interested in doing it all now or are we just sticking with impact and impact alone i like what i see over there i would kill for another chance to wrestle claudio Casanoli. oh yeah one of my favorites yeah. um i like what they got going on over there you know and if there's an opportunity at some point to go over there then i, I, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to that or, or, you know, any other wrestling opportunity sure. for, the, for the next couple of years while you still have me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So talk to me about what's going on at Impact now. You guys are like, you guys got a great roster over there. We really do. We've got a, we've got a roster from, from top. I mean, I don't even know where, you know, top to bottom, I like to say that, but from side to side, let's say that. Yeah, right. coast from to coast. To side, uh, is, is just filled with amazing people that wrestle amazing at their styles right like yeah. we've got so many different styles of of wrestler uh on the impact roster our women's roster is completely insane you guys, right you guys have a great women's roster the knockouts are completely insane right now so yeah uh, it, it, our shows the people that come to our shows we're doing uh a lot more canadian shows which i love toronto loves them some wrestling so like they're it's always one a good crowd pl- one of my it's favorite places so good yeah um, what's the deal with Masha Slamovich? I, I hear this name all the time. I've seen some of her like incredible work. Give me a little rundown. She's terrifying. I really feel like she, she could kill me at any moment. Yeah, she seems like it. I just started following her on Instagram and I just, I find her like pretty fascinating. Really cool. 
really kind of you know, keeps herself real, real kind of soft spoken, but she'll kill you. It's always those silent killers that you've got to look out for. One hundred smaller ones too. Someone that you look over while she's tearing your throat out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look out. Yeah, yeah. Look but out. She's uh I've seen some of her stuff and, and been able to watch her just in the ring and she's technically sound. Yeah. Chris. She's uh I mean, she's great. What all do you still want to do in wrestling? I mean, you mentioned kind of open to to any other options and possibilities. What all do you want to accomplish at this point in your career? You've been able to do so much. I feel like, uh, you know, I'm still working at a pretty high level. There's just so much more that I, I feel like I could give. You know what I mean? There's so many, there's so many combinations of matches that I haven't even had yet. Um, my number one goal is to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome. It's great to have great um, relationships and the, the state of wrestling where it's at, where everything is just kind of wide open. And, and so our relationship with Impact, the relationship that I have with CML and, and New Japan. So yeah. all, all of those things um, lead to me being able to wrestle in Japan at Tokyo Dome sooner than later. So that is like my number one goal. What would that look like for you? I mean, obviously wrestling in the Tokyo Dome, doing a Wrestle Kingdom uh, I've been lucky enough to go over there once and and witness that and just to to see what that pageantry is like, what those entrances look like, obviously, you know, what the different style of matches look like. What does that look like for you if you're able to to kind of book it yourself? I oh, mean, it just looks like me going all out, like with my entrance, like with, you with have to. my ear. So that kind of, for me, completes the, I don't know what they call it, but it completes the the thing that we have sure. in wrestling, right? The ECW arena, uh, Maple Leaf Yeah, like Maple those, Leaf the Gardens. infinity rings of wrestling. Right, right, right. Maple Leaf, yeah. Maple Leaf Gardens, uh, ECW, Madison Square Garden, Arena Mexico, Mexico City, and the Tokyo Dome are the, are the infinity rings. So I like that, that Maple, Maple Leaf ring. Gardens is on there. That's a good one. It's cool. I mean, I feel like so many people like, yeah, just to be able to go over there. Like when I went over with John, when he did Wrestle Kingdom a couple of years ago, and obviously I had never been, I was very much so in the WWE bubble. And for me to be able to pop my head out and be like, wow, check this out. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's so cool to see wrestling from a different perspective, from the way the shows are put together, the way the talent put their matches together. It's really incredible. I had so much fun going over there. I need to go back. It just shows that wrestling exists uh, outside of whatever bubble that you want to yeah. put it in, right? And, and the yep. art form, it exists and it thrives and it survives and it does what it's supposed to do wherever you catch it. And that's, yep. I think that's what I love about wrestling. It doesn't matter where you see it, how you love it, where, who you want to watch doing it. Um, you can find something that's for you because wrestling is really for everybody. Agreed, 100%. Well, Kenny, I really hope that we get to see um, you and Claudio Castagnoli kind of tie it up again. We got to put that out into the universe. We did just that that mere moments ago. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm glad we finally got to connect and I'm out in Vegas end of May. So hopefully I'll see you out then. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh yeah. You guys, the eight. Oh wait. I think I, I think that might be an impact weekend, but if not, I definitely was going to pull up on you. Please do. Please do. Yeah. That would be incredible. We're there for a couple of days. So hopefully even if you are gone, you'll be back in in time. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. We'll link up. We'll link Hell up because we yeah. did get to link up when, you, when we were naked. So we'll no, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. So good to catch up with you. Thanks for having me. Great talking to you. A big thank you to Kenny for jumping on with me, letting me pick his brain. 
learn all things Chippendales, The Bachelor, wrestling, all of that good stuff. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this. Um, Wherever you're listening to this right now, anywhere that you get your podcasts, also download the AMP app uh, because we are on AMP Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So be there. Be square. Check out all of those things. Um... Leave a comment, like, subscribe, tell your friends. This has been The Sessions. Sessions.